Welcome to Birth Mystics with your hosts, Katie and Stephanie. You birth like you live. So how do you live? (laughs) That's a question that I posed on Instagram about two years ago, I think. Maybe three times weird. Um, And I had a really good conversation with a lot of people about how much, like how deep you can go if you're willing to really ponder that simple phrase, you birth like you live. And sometimes just starting out, I just want to remind you that I do not want to use that sentence to make you feel any sort of guilt or any sort of shame or self-judgment. It's simply an observation of who am I and what's right for me. A lot of people get like this idea of this ideal in their mind. This is how a good birth is. This is a good birth. This is a well-done birth. This is a a birth worth having, or this is what a beautiful birth looks like, without stopping to ask themselves, is that actually something I think that my personality would enjoy? So I think about me, like in earlier births, that I was the kind of person where I really loved coping with things on my own. Like I was just very proud, actually, of my independence. And I would go to births or hear about births where there are like whole families in the room. And while that looked beautiful, it was like, no, (laughs) like I don't want that. Where some people think that's how it has to be, or that's the only way that it's beautiful. So today we're going to talk a little bit about all the ways that we live and cope and love and and how we can apply those to birth and how we can use birth as a way to kind of put a mirror on our own lives for, for good or for bad and just for growth actually is the goal. So the first one I want to start out with is how do you live in connection with pain, stress, and intensity? So I ask every single client, this is one of my must questions that I have to have discussed with them, in your normal life, as you're going about your business, if you have something go on, like a sprained ankle, or menstrual cramps, or a migraine, or if you work out and you are sore, have a massage and you're sore, like your body needs to recover from something or is experiencing pain, intensity, How do you usually cope with that? Like, what does that look like for you personally? And it's fun to see all the different answers come back and see them kind of the wheels get going. Like, well, I don't know, like, mm, and usually I'll do a, like, I'll show you mine, then you show me yours. Cause it can (laughs) feel kind of like intimidating to be like, level the playing field. Yes, exactly. Like I'll be, I'll be vulnerable and you tell me. Cause with me, like if I'm experiencing that, I love using hot and cold. That's one of my big things, like a hot, a hot bath or cold compress or a hot compress Um, laying in the sun, just using temperature has always been very comforting to me in almost any scenario. Like there's almost no physical discomfort I can think of where I don't want to use either hot or cold. Um, I like to be alone. I usually, if I'm in, if I'm in intensity, I usually will like go hide (laughs) and then I'll have my husband take the kids and um, I'll just huddle in my room, cover myself in blankets after some hot shower, hot shower, cold packs, and I will sleep it off. And that's my coping. That's what I usually do. Um, and then I have like, I'll usually tell them my contrast is I have a sister who I remember whenever she got sick, she would like toss herself on the couch in the most public place and be like, Whoa, <laughs> <laughs> whoa is me. Yeah. <laughs> and she'd want you to like fawn. Yeah. Like she, she would needed want a lot of attention. She just wanted someone to notice and wanted someone to bring her things and offer her things and acknowledge that she's having a hard time and distractions too. Like 
being in the main area can be very distracting because people are going in and out. So there's noises, there's doors closing. There's a lot more distractions going on. I remember I had one client where in labor, she had this like cooking show on in the background the entire time. And it was so bothersome for me. <laughs> like for wow. me, I just had to be like, okay, I'm trying to zone this out, but I had a really hard time because that's not me. Like yeah. I want silence so and dark distracting. So for me trying to like doula and things, it was fine because it was her space. I wasn't birthing, but I was still like, it's physically strenuous to support a birthing person. And it was a first baby. So it was a little longer. And there was just this show on like, and she didn't, I was like, can we turn that down? She's like, no, I like it. I was like, all right, then they're just leaving it on. Like, right. <laughs> and right. that was one of her coping things. So something could be really beneficial as you're preparing for your birth is to say to yourself, like, what does that usually look like for me? Mm. Because you're not going to get into your birth space and suddenly be like, I want the opposite of what I usually want. Like that almost never happens. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you've had a situation or what does that say to you? Do you feel like some people are like, I never thought that would help me? You're saying from what I experience in life and then how it translated into birth? Or as a doula, like if you okay. ever had clients who were like, this is how I think I'll need support and then needed something totally different. Mm, I'm going to think about that. I've had some be like, I'm not sure about touch or counter pressure and then counter pressure yeah. was life, but that's a little different. Yeah. <laughs> some, for some, especially if it's their first, like they're open to trying a lot of things and then they don't really find out until they're in labor what on that list makes the cut for sure. And I, I have seen a common theme with my clients that many of them do not like effleurage, like the soft, flowy touch. Yes. Um, I find that to be pretty common where they're like, yeah, that's so annoying to me. You're distracting me. You're pulling me out of my focus, you mm-hmm. know, just either squeeze or like slap something, but don't, don't. touch me softly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I do find that one um, surprises people because they may really like soft touch Outside of the birth context. True. So, I mean, so, so there are some exceptions, I guess, where yeah. labor changes what our normal comforts mm-hmm. are. But, yeah, in other regards, there's a lot of crossover, mm-hmm. a lot of consistencies. Yeah. We'll always leave space for, like, birth to be birth because mm-hmm. sometimes there'll be crazy things. But in general, what's usually comforting, comforting in life will feel comforting in birth. And I don't know if anybody, when they're in pain, wants tickles. Right. Like if you have your menstrual cramps, I don't know if anybody wants mm. tickles. No, I would want the heat, like you mm. said, the comfortable bed, back some rub, pressure. Like a good back rub. Mm. So I wonder if that's more, if that's not so much just birth, but if that's most, mostly has to do with the intensity for most people. Because I found that yeah. to be true with my clients as well. Some of them will really like, well, it'll still have to be a little bit of like pressure touch. Most of them don't like like pure tickles. Right. Because it's just like too... It can irritate me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Too stimulating. Totally. Um, Another one that comes up a lot is that a question that I ask clients will be when you're stressed and overwhelmed in your life, what does that usually look like? Like how do you usually react and what is helpful? And I always say a lot of people have like stages of overwhelm, like I'm getting overwhelmed to I am overwhelmed to I am very overwhelmed and your reaction to it will usually look a little different. Mm. Once again, bearing mine, I would say that for me, Um, my first stage is getting a little bit irritated. Like I just get a little less patient, like things that would normally be okay or not okay. Yeah. Um, I get touched out. Like I don't want people in my face, just like just shorter with most things, less, less, um, ability to handle stimulation and frustration. 
Uh, the next one, if nobody acknowledges what it is, or if I'm sort of trying to express and it doesn't get noticed, is the shutdown. Like, I'll usually be like, fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, nobody notices. I'm just going to... Not engage. Not engage. And I'll usually try and separate myself at that point. That's often where I'm like, I'm not engaging, and I'm going to leave now. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm not able to do that, or if I stick with it, if or... If you're forced to engage. I'm forced to engage, <laughs> then usually I'll get really combative, and then I will cry. Like crying, my husband knows crying is like end all for Katie. Like if Katie's crying, there's something very wrong. Mm. She's very stressed and very not okay. Because usually I'm not, I don't get there very easily. Some people blow through their faces pretty quickly. <laughs> Some people are more log, like slow burn. But what's yours? I'm more of a slow burn okay. through those phases. Like okay. it takes me, I'll stay in frustration or like a little snappy for a while. Yeah. And then I'll stay and I want some sep- good separation or I'll try and like disengage over and over for a while and this I think you're really describing me as well but and I would say that it's very dependent on like which part of my cycle I'm into because like I think they're what if I'm in like summer ovulation time I think I have a pretty slow burn like I'm much more patient and tolerant and it takes a lot more to get me to to tip Mm -hmm. but then it's just so easy (laughs) (laughs) when I'm more in that autumn or winter stage yeah my my buffer zone is very, very small in those oh, that makes sense. times. Yeah. I wonder if I've, I think when I'm in my autumn and winter, I tend to withdraw a lot anyways. Like mm-hmm. I'll take more time and more space or go to bed early or yeah. just separate myself to naturally just to kind of, yeah, to kind of yeah. keep that buffer so that I don't go through it quickly. But I think you're yeah. right. That probably does go a little quicker depending on where I'm at. How do you think, so you said you're pretty similar? Yeah. Okay. You described a lot of similar things for me, even when it comes to like, lighting like that I've realized that's a huge one for my mood yes and that has actually come up for me in the doula work as you Mm -hmm. were mentioning like sounds and bright lights can be really overstimulating for me and there was one birth where she just had the bathroom fan on and I don't even know to this day if she wanted it on like I didn't speak up about it Mm because she didn't mention anything about it I'm like maybe she really wants the bathroom fan on but I was really starting to get like almost a headache from Mm -hmm. this ambient sound, you know? And I was just like, oh, I'm frustrated that this is frustrating me because I want to be fully present for my client, but, Mm -hmm. but I am, I'm easily, I'm highly sensitive. So like those things really can grate on me. And I wish I had known that about myself when I was having babies, because Mm -hmm. I think I would have been able to take even more steps to set the right atmosphere but I think some of them came pretty naturally to me and my team even if I didn't have that language yeah because some of my babies were born in the day and I I remember instinctively that we were like drawing curtains and just trying to create lower lights and I had I was mindful about the music that was playing or if my kids were starting to irritate me I would have my mom or somebody Mm -hmm. you know take them to the um, other part of the house or whatever and or it was in the night sometimes so yeah, it's interesting to know more about myself on the other side of birth, but how cool if we can help our clients at least understand these connections between how they, how these like regular stimulus, stimuli in life affect them and then how to like be proactive and how they plan for their birth is a really cool tool. Yeah, no, it's cool you bring that up because that's the next thing that I ask is I say mm. of, your, of your five senses, do you feel like there are some that are more sensitive than others? Ah. Are there things that quickly bring you into irritation or if you're slightly irritated, are there certain senses that become quickly overwhelmed? And mine is touch. So if someone's like soft touching me when I'm at the beginning of uh-huh. irritated 
or if people get like in my bubble, uh-huh. I get a lot, like my bubble gets more, like if you step into it, it's just like that. Like, yeah. I just need my space mm-hmm. and sounds. I usually will zone it out until a certain point where it just like hits overload and then I'll just be like, <laughs> I can't do it anymore. Like, right. <laughs> you need to be quiet. I can't handle this. Yeah. Um, so sense, like I can do pretty good with sound within a certain range, but I have to kind of be careful. It doesn't hit the most. I'm not mm-hmm. as much with lighting. I do relax better with lighting, but I don't feel like bright lighting brings me out. Like it can be helpful to me, but it's not a deterrent. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Totally. Um, and then food will always make me feel better. Oh, great point. <laughs> like food. tasting something good. <laughs> yeah. Or even just like peppermint and things like that. I don't get as disturbed mm. by smells. Mm. Like I don't even, my, my husband is like, you need Very to put deodorant on. Like he's just like, yeah. <laughs> like from a mile away. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, yeah. um, but I don't like, he'll stink a little bit and I don't mind. Mm-hmm. Like I don't mind a little bit of natural human scent. And yeah. I don't mind a little bit of like food stink or like well, garlic. Well, I used to be that way, Katie, <laughs> until COVID. For yeah? me, that has still like I'm two years out from mm-hmm. the first time I had COVID. My sense of smell has never really fully recovered, and there are still some things that feel more intolerable than they did before. Oh, that's and interesting. that's been interesting. So even the birth smells have changed for me. Okay. And when I, because I have something to compare it to, like I just think mm-hmm. before COVID, I could run with the smells and not be like <laughs> off put yes and like out in the wildness <laughs> of it all you know I accept the smells. I accept the smells but there have been a few that have like really really affected me and part of me sad I'm like yeah. oh am I I don't know is this like a downward trend here oh, no. like <laughs> I have to bring like one of those swimmer nose plugs because I would never want a client to, to for a second yeah to be worried yeah. about any of those to be smells. self-conscious about yeah. a smell yeah because like you already are, they, most of them already are. I exactly. And so if you add like, don't like worry, client, I can put on a pretty good stone face regardless of what I'm experiencing. Mm-hmm. I can be very professional about it. No. But I, I, do, I can do almost anything except mm-hmm. for throw up. Throw up is my struggle. There you go. With my kids, we all too. have a tipping point. Yes. <laughs> I suppose I think it's just like I'm a compassionate. Like when someone else is, and I hear it, and I smell it, and I see it, and all of it together for some reason, it just is a big trigger for me. Yeah. I don't know if it's just the smell. It's also like the whole situation. Right. My body just like empathy. Yeah. Empathy heaves. I don't <laughs> <Empathy> know. Heaves. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's interesting to kind of sit and think with think to yourself. Okay, so which of my senses are sensitive? So for you, it would be light. And you can say on my birth plan, what are some things like reminding people not to open door? Like maybe put like a towel kind of in front of the door. So people come in and out if it's mm. daytime, yeah. but it won't be as blinding. Sometimes it's that happened where it's been like someone opens the door and it's like full, full daylight, daylight comes yeah. in and then leaves. And it's like, Hey, we need to stop leaving or we mm-hmm. need to put something up. Um, for me with touch, just letting everybody know, like you either need to be like, I always call it like, you need to have some confident touch. Like, I don't want this like. I, it's not only it's like the commit. touch. Yeah, commit. <laughs> like, yeah, fully yes. commit. Do you know yeah. what I'm talking about? I totally know. If someone just like hesitant touches me, like get off and go away. <laughs> just like, Maybe because it feels like it's taking something yeah. instead of giving. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah. But you can kind of sit, sit with yourself and think, what are some, and like, what are some smells? I had this one client, I'll never forget this because I loved it so much. It was a home birth. And she said, one of my favorite things in this entire world that can just melt me is the smell of my husband's chocolate chip cookies in the oven. 
Wow. And so right as we got to the beginning of pushing, he had like this prepared what? chocolate chip cookie <laughs> that he shoved two things in and we kept the oven on. And right as through pushing, this lovely smell just came wafting over. Everybody benefits And here. everybody benefits. No, it was so good. <laughs> and she was just like, I remember being in pushing. It was really intense and suddenly having the smell. And it made it feel doable. And I was like, wow. that's so cool. That's amazing timing. Yeah. Isn't that cool timing? And yeah. he, like that was his, like he was on it. He's like, we're almost to pushing. And it probably like, gave him <sighs> such purpose. He's mm-hmm. like, this is this thing that I can do. Yeah, I did that. And here's an example of sound. Um, I had a client whose husband is a, music- a musician. So he, uh, she asked him to play lullabies on, not even just lullabies, but just some of his original songs mm-hmm. during her whole labor. And we just had, we were just like serenaded by his Aww. beautiful guitar music. And she absolutely loved it. She said it just helped her go into this beautiful zone. And it felt so intimate between them as well. We, he was just singing to her. And I mean, I don't know, it was pretty magical. And it was in the hospital too. And the nurses loved it. Like, Everybody in the labor ward was like talking about this amazing couple where the husband's singing. And so like, people were like peeking in just be like, we just wanted to see the magic, you know? Oh, I love <laughs> so that. So even when it's not a home birth setting, like there's beautiful things that you can do to honor those senses mm-hmm. and your team supports you. I don't know if you could pull off chocolate chip cookies at the hospital, but they <laughs> still might accommodate. Like there's they some might. cool nurses in the world just, like, break one that might like nose. microwave one for you. Yeah. And bring it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, like, that's, of course, you have to bring into consideration, like, where am I birthing and what is possible and what Mm -hmm. can I bring into that? Yeah, within Um, that realm. Within that realm of availability. Yeah. Um, Another one that I was going to say is that I love love when people just get really conscious of it, right? That you can say, okay, this is me and this is who I am and this is what I like and this is how I can get ready for my birth plan. I had one client who had, like, six different birth playlists because she felt like she was so connected to music. Mm-hmm. And she was like, okay, what situations could there be where I could need something? Like, need that music to pull me across She's like, this is something. a code X. Please <laughs> turn on code X. <laughs> yeah, she had, like, one was, like, pump me up music. Nice. Was like, let's do it, like, beats. And then one was, like, so soft and, like, connective. Mm-hmm. And then one, and she had one that was, like, the minute the baby's born, this goes on. And it was, like, three songs. But she was like, these are the songs I want to have on while the baby hits my chest. And she just knew that this music was such a big part of her life. And that it gets, she's like, there were times literally like I had breakups where this playlist got me through. I had these times in my life where this playlist got me through. I've always been that way where I'll just get in my car and drive and listen to music to help myself through difficult emotions. It can be therapy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that was cool that she's just like, rec- and some people will be like an aha moment. Like I'll say that and they'll be like, oh, <laughs> I, like you just gave me permission to do this thing. <laughs> like I can just use things that are usually helpful and put it in my plan. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> Why it's not? It's like, please do. Yeah. Um, but people just think of birth as like, they see the videos where they're so calm and then, and how it goes and they kind of create this idea of what it should look like and then limit themselves. Uh, they limit themselves to this idea of what birth is and what it should be. Instead of saying, okay, what is my birth going to look like? Like who am I and how am I going to cope? Um, I have one, I have one client, um, she was actually my photographer at my last birth and I was her doula. It was fun. We lovely. Um, but I sat down with her and asked her these questions and when it came to stress, she was like, Oh, I complain. Like I'm, I'm going to complain. I complain a lot. And it's not like heartfelt complaining. Mm-hmm. It's just like, 
Low grade Just low grade complaining. <laughs> and then when it gets real hard, I'll cuss. And I was like, cool. And then it came to her birth and that was exactly what happened. Wow. Like the minute she hit active labor, it was like, man, this is hard. Do, 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 do. But it was like not wholehearted complaining. It was She's just like, like this... I'm not trying to get you to do anything about well, the this. The nurses was like, do you want your epidural now? Like, oh, that sounds very hard. Do you want your epidural now? Oh, and it was just like, helpful. go. She was like, we have a code word. Go away. Yeah. Um, but she just like started low, low grade complaining. And then I knew we were getting close when she's just dropping F-bombs. And like, <laughs> she's moaning the F-word. She's moaning the F-word. And that, it's true coping. I read in a book once that I there is. It. I imagine that U-shape, that long, oh, yeah. has got to be really good for opening the larynx and opening yes. the cervix. And Yep, totally. <laughs> and it was fun just like afterwards, I was like, you called it. Like, you know yourself. Yeah. And you were who you are. Yeah. And where some people afterwards would be like, oh, I didn't cope very well. I was like, no, you, you coped you cope exactly you right. Cope. Yeah. You, you coped. <laughs> that was the point. <laughs> you coped in your own helpful way mm. and it got you through. And we don't have to have this idea of like, oh, I have to be perfectly calm. Cause I, that was my way that happened to me. I think I may have mentioned the previous episode, but hypnobirthing made me feel like I had to be calm. I watched all these videos of people like, <gasps> and their baby came out. Panted. Like yeah. panted nicely and they never made loud noises. Right. I, for some reason, those were the videos I landed on when Which it's a hypnobirth. Which is like beautiful, great. Yeah, that's, cool. That's a way that's to possible. do it. And yes. that's cool to know that's possible, mm-hmm. right? But I think I had this idea of like, I'm going to practice. Because I did. I practiced every day for my second birth. After my first difficult birth, for my second birth. I practiced every day my guided relaxations. I was like, I'm going to be so zen. Right. I'm going to be the calmest of calm. I practiced every day for six months. I'm going to be so calm. And I was through most of labor until I wasn't anymore <laughs> because that's not who I am because yeah. I'm a very loud person and I cope when I get there, then I get there and I let my lungs know and I got very loud. And afterwards I went through this little phase of mourning of like, where did it go wrong? Wow. Where did I lose control? Wow. Which is funny because my first birth I controlled against contractions. My second, it was like, I was trying to control my Zen. Wow. And that was my like so new you found form. The other of, thing to fixate yes. on. Yeah. It was like that was my new form. It was better. <laughs> hmm. But it was still me trying to be in control. I was in control of being calm. Wow. And so that out of controlness was really hard for me. But right. it was a cool I still feel really good about it. Like mm-hmm. I birthed my baby unmedicated, I'm awesome. Yeah. But there was that little end part where I was like, ooh. Like I didn't quite do it. Like Something I switched to right do it. there. The yeah. end. Yeah. And how did I not? Why couldn't I just keep it? Mm-hmm. Keep it cool. Mm-hmm. We're looking back. I'm like, man, I was powerful, and I'm. That's... You're like, really? What happened there is I took the bridle off. Mm-hmm. And like, what would it? What was it like to give birth when I wasn't trying to control anything? Yeah. How powerful. My body was just like, can't do that yeah. anymore. We need to be loud now. Yeah, and this is one way or one reason why I feel like I am moving away from like rigid techniques and methods. For, and it's mostly because of the mindset. It's not necessarily because they don't work for some people because they do yeah. work for some people. Yeah. And I'm like really happy when they work for people. But it's more for those people that end up fixating on the right or wrongness of the technique Yes. that it creates like the opposite kind of mindset that we actually want in the birth space, which is what does it mean to give birth unbridled, like without mm. having to control. So I love that you put such, you just put that into a really wonderful package there, how you described that. Yeah. No, I think it's like for who I was at the time, it prepared me really well and I was really grateful for it. Like it yeah. I definitely gave me a lot of tools and I felt like totally. those tools bled into my life. Like, uh-huh. Those guided relaxations helped me learn how to breathe through things and not yeah. be so rigid and not try and fight things, rather mm-hmm. allowing in some ways. So it was like important steps on my path. I think it was important for me to have that unbridled moment, even though after I was a little disappointed. But that's something that I feel has 
through my journey come into my work is that I just want to help people not set those expectations for themselves. Yeah. And just like, like this episode, like the whole point is for you to realize that you may not need what other people need and that you may not react to yeah. other people react. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen six time home birthers who, who rip at their hair and like yell and, and pull mm-hmm. on stuff and say, what have I done? This is such a dumb idea. Like <laughs> <laughs> that's their sixth time. Cause it's just how they cope. Like they just mm-hmm. are used to having it all together and then it comes undone and mm-hmm. they allow it. Like this is how I am when I birth as I just come undone the seams. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so cool to see people who are able to just allow it. The next connection I want to talk about, you birth like you live, is your, how do you live in connection with your body? Um, Is your body something that you feel like you have a good understanding of all of your sensations, of all of your feelings, of all the things that could come up? Do you feel like your body is something with which you have mutual respect? Or do you feel like your body is something you've always had a lot of shame around? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like your body is something that is confusing for you? Something that I feel like for me, it was kind of like, this is this tool that I'm in charge of. Mm. I tell it what to do. One of oh, my favorite stories is... Yeah. Always trying to be the boss, Katie. <laughs> this is me and my control <laughs> issues I didn't know I had. Um, I didn't throw up for 10 years mm. because I wouldn't allow it. Okay. I would have like... I had... <laughs> my husband and I both got food poisoning ones. And he threw up and felt better, and I did not allow it. Wow. And I was so sick, miserable sick in my stomach, and had the worst diarrhea. But you because I would not allow keep it. it in and let it go out. Because I, that way, I said I hate throwing up, and I will not. Okay. So I had all these times where I just would not, and I would suffer because of it. But I didn't want to because yeah. I tell my body what to do, and it yeah. will do it because Absolutely. I am in charge. <laughs> mm-hmm. But there's a lot that I lost in that time and that I've come like through my journey to realize how wise my body is, like how much is written into my biology, how intuitive and even the energy of my body that were all these things that I had no access to, that I was mm-hmm. so incredibly in my brain and in the control seat that I did not have that access to all that other power. And that's something that as you're heading into your birth, it's worth thinking about, like how do I see myself in relation with my body? Hmm. I really wish that we could have had this conversation when I was pregnant with my first. <laughs> I know. I, I think for me, my body was like no man's land. I think I, you, I probably would have just like stared into your eyes, like with a blank stare. If you asked <laughs> me that question, I'd be like, my body? Oh, I don't know. You know, it's just like this thing. It's just, yeah, it's like right here. But I just, it, it was foreign. It was like a foreign land. And, um, you know, when I read the book actually a couple of years ago, after all of my babies and a huge embodiment journey mm-hmm. <laughs> amidst all that, I read the book Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin uh, Kimmerer. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've read that. I have not. Highly recommend it. Ooh. Beautiful book. Has very little to do with birth. However, my brain connects all Everything things to, to that, right? <laughs> yeah. But there was this... Um, line where she she was talking about native plants right so she's she's native american and speaking about a lot of beautiful connections from her culture and and the relationship that her people had with the land and and how to restore that in modern times and things you know so lots of beautiful things but she said that when you learn the name uh the names of the plants that are native to you that is when it goes um, from, I think the word she uses is, um, desert, 
maybe from like desert to homeland. There's maybe a different word. It could just be like the word I use, no man's land to Mm -hmm. homeland, you know? Yeah. I wish I had her exact quote, but go look it up or go read the book. Um, And that's when it dawned on me that that's what had been happening for me with my body. That it's like, I didn't even know the names of my body parts when I was pregnant with my first, meaning like, a lot of the birth anatomy. I didn't know what a cervix was. I didn't know what vulva was. I didn't know what clitoris was. And I had been married and I'd been sexually active and I just didn't know this vocabulary. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure I learned during pregnancy that women had three orifices down there. Like, yeah. it's shocking. It was shockingly bad how ignorant I was about my body. And, um, But as I've learned to like call these things by name and to get to know them on a first name basis, my body was, it went from being this like foreign land to homeland, you know, and I, and I could see that transition that Robin Kimmerer talks about in myself and and how birth contributes to that. But yeah, that hugely influenced the way that I gave birth and that could be its own like huge story you know but just I 1000% agree with everything you're saying here yeah it's like you also think about um how much shame do I have around my body because that's a huge topic Mm -hmm. in our culture and you can go back we've talked about this in other podcast episodes for like a more full range of like the idea of pretty um your body's supposed to be pretty and clean and presentable and birth is often not those things it's often (laughs) sweaty and wild and there's mucus and blood and smells smells and farts and poo and all the things that come with getting a baby out of your body Mm -hmm. that for a lot of people can cause them to shrink up or separate or dissociate because they feel a lot of shame around those things yeah so if you're pregnant and as you ponder this I hope that you take a second to honor that all of those things are part of the process and that your body's allowed to do those things and it's not shameful um, I wish I could just give that to so many people. Mm-hmm. Just like, this is good. It's good. Yeah. And that's how you're going to be. And, and maybe that's how it's supposed to be. if you're feeling very like, as Katie says that, like, that's also really beautiful self-awareness. Yeah. That's an incredible place to just acknowledge, hey, that's where I'm at, is that I am grossed out by all those things. That's actually more than maybe most. Because if you can move into the realm of even seeing the discomfort with those things, you're on the path to embodiment. You're on yeah. the path of embracing this like wild, messy side of yourself. And it doesn't have to come all at once. Yeah. I would say it's probably true for both of us that each birth took us deeper into that process. Like if I compare the bookend births, like my first to my fourth, night and day difference. Yes. And and the where I was showing up in my body and how I was engaging with that wild side of me was night and day because I'd had practice in between and years of integration in between and dealing with kids messes in between, like learning to deal with their wild and unruliness has a way of helping you relax into your own too. So have like compassion with yourself. There's no, there's nothing you need to do to get it right. It's just about showing up as you are and saying, I can work with that. Yeah. And just letting your birth team know, like, especially if you're tired of doula, 
um, just letting her know, hey, I do get self-conscious about all these things. Mm -hmm. And then she can know, okay, I'm going to spend more time wiping sweat off her brow Mm -hmm. or combing her hair back. We're going to bring some bobby pins so I can get it out of her face. And I'm going to bring some good oils or something I can spray the air with if there's any smells that go on. Mm -hmm. And we're going to maybe put you in positions where you don't have to see what's happening and you can more try and go into yourself. Some people will even want like a face mask on just so they can dive inside and not have to be as aware of what their body is doing. Mm -hmm. And you can meet yourself where you're at. And that can be beautiful because every birth that I've had, we've talked about our journeys. I'm grateful for the whole journey. And absolutely my, my births where I was, as I look back and I do this analysis, I know they were what I needed and I know they were a reflection of who I was Mm -hmm. and that there was so much to learn from them. And I'm grateful. Mm -hmm. And I'm also grateful that I think one of the reasons I had that journey was because I put awareness on it was because I asked myself every time what was there that I would like to have differently or what did that tell me about myself and how can I moving forward um, adjust or what do I want to do differently this time and not from a place of shame or I should have done better or whatever but just okay well that was a learning experience like I learned a lot of myself but now where am I and now what do I want? Which is why I want to like empower you. A lot of people will feel weird about changing birth plans. You can change your birth plan however you want in any way between every baby. You can change the support people that are there because you may have outgrown who they were and you needed them at the time and now you don't. And a lot of people people please and think, well, I had her for last time, so I have to have this midwife again. But that's not like if you feel like she's the right for your space again, then yes, by all means. But don't people please. Like that's another thing that I want to talk about is how do you live in relation with self-advocacy and decision-making? Because a lot of women are bred and raised and taught to be people pleasers. And it goes very deep. And we also have more episodes about this, so we don't have that time. <laughs> but think about yourself and think about how, how am I in standing up for myself? How am I in honestly assessing my own needs and then bringing that need to other people? That's very hard for a lot of women to do that thing. Mm-hmm. And to say, okay, what are some strategies or ways that sound more doable? Do I want people to ask me questions and then I can just give answers? Maybe you need to hire people who are the kind of people who will allow you to people please. Like that's the kind of doula I am. I'm just like, yeah. you are not allowed. <laughs> yeah. You are not allowed to people please me. I will ask you all the questions and I will double check on things and I will dig. And if I feel like something's off, I'm not going to let you off the hook because mm-hmm. I refuse to let you people please me or make decisions just because of what you think I may want. Mm-hmm. It's like you've hired me. I'm not supposed to be comfortable. Yeah. Like, this is your experience. I want to mold myself to it. Right. So also when you're picking your birth team, that can be a great thing to go off of is knowing who, how, how I was self-advocacy and hiring people and being honest with people and saying, I'm not very good at saying what I need or standing up for myself and I need you to help me with this. Mm-hmm. And if you're great at it, then you don't need to hire those kind of people. So as you're looking to have your support team, that can be a really good thing to kind of be thoughtful about is how, how can I have them support me And what goals can I make for myself when it comes to self-advocacy and decision-making? So I could go on and on about this forever because I love this subject. And I think there are so many ways that we can can take it apart. But I just wanted to to end saying that, that birth is a beautiful mirror. And as you look at it and you look at it back and as you birth, you can be taught some really amazing things about yourself. And you can also learn some things that may not be as fun to learn, but it's important. Like Stephanie said earlier, when we're able to recognize things about ourselves, even if it's not like our favorite thing, or we realize, oh, that's actually, we can get to the point where instead of beating ourselves up about things, we can say, that's not serving me. 
This thing I've been doing, this coping mechanism, this thing, that's not serving me. And I don't know if you felt this way, but in all of my pregnancies, I felt this momentum. Like I felt this, we say we're creating and things are kind of chaotic during pregnancy. That's a great time to say, I think I want to try new coping. So a lot of people, when they're really afraid of pain, I'll do things, simple things like, okay, then hold like a piece of ice in your hand and just see how your body and you react. Ice is not dangerous. If you left it there, just melt. It would melt off your hand. It cannot hurt you, but your body is going to react to that ice. So there's different like techniques and there are ways if you want to say, I'd like to build a couple of new coping techniques or add some tools to my toolbox for this birth, the cool thing is you have that momentum during pregnancy, you have this goal and this reason to do it, and all of them and all of your birth prep will carry into motherhood. It just does. It's every time, every time I've done something, I've been so motivated for birth to do it, and I'll notice afterward, oh, like this is really handy, right. and it's helping me every day. This is a life skill. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. So this is why I love to say you birth like you live because you also can live like you birthed and you can bring that mm. confidence and you can bring that momentum and all that you felt through your birth. You can bring that as wind into your life to also add new things. I love that way to bring that full circle. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you for joining us as we step into darkness, knowing we will find light.